Good morning. Today is Thursday, March 11th, 2021. I have a suggestion for this coming Shabbos. Whether you will have the privilege to attend shul in person and hear the Torah reading, or you'll be at home and you will review the Torah portion yourself, it is very long. This Shabbos is the double portion of Ayakel Pekude. Besides the fact that there's a special additional reading of Parshas HaChodesh, but this Torah reading is one of the longest of the entire year. In fact, it is 214 psukim, 214 verses. And the thing is, it's almost all repetition. Remember back a couple of weeks, in the Parsha of Truma, God commanded the Jewish people to build the Mishkan, the sanctuary. And, we, and the Parsha of Truma listed all of the objects, the measurements, the materials, every detail. In the Parsha of Tetzaveh, the next week, God commands making all of the garments that were worn by, worn by the Kohen and the Kohen Gadol, the measurements, the, the materials, the details. We had every single detail, every single measurement. Our Parsha this week, Vayakel Pekude, repeats every single detail more than twice. First, it's about building it, right? Because before we talked about God commanding it, now the Jewish people actually build it and then they put it together and put it into place, repeating every object, every measurement, every detail, but we know this already. Why in the world do we have such a long double portion, 214 verses, that is almost completely repetitious of what we already saw in the Parsha of Truma and Tetzaveh. So here's my suggestion. My suggestion is we take 214 verses, we condense it down to two. Kechol asher Hashem es Moshe, kein asu b'nei Yisrael es kol ho'avoda. According to everything that Moshe had commanded from God, the Jewish people made and did all of the work. Vayar Moshe has kol hamlacha. Moshe saw all of the work that the Jewish people had done. Vihine asu osa, and he saw that they had done it. Kasher tziva Hashem kein asu, just as God had commanded, they did it. Vayivarach osam Moshe. Moshe blessed them. That's the whole parsha. Why do we need the other two hundred twelve psukim, which are mostly repetitious? Okay. So to address this, let's start with a more serious question. Why did God command the Jewish people to build a Mishkan, a sanctuary that would later become the Beis Amigdash? And that is connected to the question of when did God command them to build this? That's a pretty important question. And it happens that there are two fundamental answers to this question. The Ramban says, Nachmanides, God commanded the Jewish people to build the Mishkan directly 
at Sinai, just after God had spoken the Ten Commandments, the Aseret Zedibros, God had revealed them, himself to them. There was the greatest connection between God and human beings that had ever existed. And according to the Ramban, God wanted to continue the relationship. God wanted to take that spiritual high and make it concrete in a way that it would not be just a one-time occurrence, but something that would continue the relationship and the closeness and the intimacy. So God commands, build the Mishkan and you and I will meet there, an Ohel Moed, a tent of meeting. That's according to Rash, to the Ramban. Rashi says something different. Rashi says that God commanded the Jewish people to build the Mishkan only after they sinned with the golden calf. That's 40 days later. 40 days after the revelation at Sinai, the, golden people, the, the Jewish people sin and build the golden calf. It's a terrible, terrible sin. And remember, God at first wanted to punish the Jewish people and then eventually Moshe convinced God to forgive the Jewish people for the sin of the golden calf. And God says, part of the atonement for the sin of the golden calf, build a mishkan, you'll offer sacrifices, you'll do rituals that will provide an ongoing atonement that will include atonement for the sin of the golden calf. So that's a major difference in the purpose and the goal of this tremendously important institution in Jewish life, which we are missing today, but we hope will be rebuilt. But it's also a major issue in the order of the Torah portions of the last several weeks. According to the Ramban, the order is perfect. It all works out chronologically. We have the Parsha of Yisro, where God reveals himself at Mount Sinai. Then next we have the Parsha of Mishpatim, where the Jewish people say, Nasevinishma, we will do and we will learn what you want us to observe. And immediately God commands building the Mishkan, the Parsha of Truma, and then the Parsha of Tetzaveh. God commands all the details of building the Mishkan. That gets interrupted by the sin of the golden calf. Parsha's key seesaw. But it gets back on track with our Parsha, Vayakel Pekude. In spite of the sin of the golden calf, the original project will continue and every portion follows chronological order. It makes perfect sense. According to Rashi, the order of the Torah portions does not make sense because after Mishpatim, when the Jewish people said Nasev and Nishma, then, according to Rashi, should come the Parsha of Kisisa, which includes the sin of the golden calf, because that came first. And it's only after Kisisa, after the golden calf, then should come Truma, Tetzaveh, Vayakel, Pekude in a row. Why is the portion of Kisisa in the middle of the building the Mishkan when it is out of chronological order. So Rashi anticipates this question and Rashi says 
the famous line, Ein muktam batorah, the Torah events do not necessarily follow chronological order, rather they often follow a thematic order. Okay, Rashi, I understand that. The question is, what is the three thematic order? What is the reason that it makes more sense thematically to put the sin of the golden calf in the middle of the building of the Mishkan instead of when it actually occurred before the command to build the Mishkan? Rashi does not answer that question. The truth is, I've seen explanations that try to address this question. According to Rashi, why are the portions out of chronological order? I must tell you, I do not have an answer that is satisfying to me. If you have an answer, if you have a way to explain Rashi's understanding, I would love to hear it. But let's go back to the Ramban, Nachmanides. So remember, according to the Ramban, it follows chronological order, revelation at Sinai. Immediately, God commands to build the Mishkan because God wants to continue the relationship. It's interrupted by the sin of the golden calf. And then it gets back on track. So the Torah portions are in exact chronological order. Revelation, command to build the Mishkan, interruption with the sin of the golden calf, back on track with our portion of building and putting together the Mishkan. According to the Ramban, there is a very important lesson to learn. And there is a very deep reason that we need and should appreciate all 214 verses of this week's Torah portion. And it goes like this. Remember, according to the Ramban, the purpose of the Mishkan is to take the moment of Sinai, which was this superlative, overwhelming, mystical, spiritual encounter with God, this moment of intimacy unlike any other with God, and to continue it, to institutionalize it, to make it permanent, this closeness between God and the Jewish people. And so, immediately after the revelation at Sinai, and when the Jewish people say, Nasev Nishma, we undertake to observe everything that you will command us. God commands, build the Mishkan. Let's make it permanent. Let's move in together. Let's live together. Then comes the sin of the golden calf. The sin of the golden calf is such a terrible sin. We've discussed it over the last couple of weeks. But maybe once the sin of the golden calf comes, Maybe we are not worthy of having that closeness with God. Maybe God does not want to continue that relationship on an ongoing basis of being so close and intimate together. And even after God agrees with Moshe to forgive the Jewish people, maybe that level of intimacy is impossible. You know, someone hurts you, God forbid, hurts you badly. Even if they apologize, even if you forgive them, and even if you are wholehearted in your forgiveness of them, but you may not want to be around them every single moment. 
you may not want to be in their proximity every single moment. I mean, after all, this is someone that has, that has hurt you very badly. Vayakel Pekude is the confirmation that not only did God forgive the Jewish people for the sin of the golden calf, but he still wanted to be close to us. He wanted still to build this house in which we will dwell together. And so he commands us, build the ark, the Aron, build the altar, build the menorah. Every verse of our Parsha, where the Jewish people actually builds it, is a reassurance. Yes, God wants us to build it in spite of the golden calf. God wants this relationship with us. Every verse of our two portions, 214 psukim, Vayaka Pakude, every verse is an expression of God's unconditional love in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our failures. The book of Shemos, our portion ends the book of Shemos the second book of the Torah, the beginning of the book of Shemos, we're slaves in Egypt. We're slaves to Paro. A slave is valued for their utility. If the servant listens, the servant is good. If the servant doesn't listen, then what use is the servant? The book of Shemos ends with a new relationship that we have with God a more healthy relationship, a relationship of real love, real commitment, that God's love for us is not based on what we do, but on who we are. Many people make the mistake of thinking that a good relationship, a good marriage, for example, is when a husband and wife get along and they don't argue. Or may pe people think make the mistake of thinking a good family is where the parents and children agree with each other and get along and there are no arguments. Or many people may think that a good shul is a place where all the members get along and they agree with each other. That's a terrible mistake. And that is a destructive mistake. A good marriage is where arguing is done, but it's done with respect. And in spite of the differences, there is unconditional love of the person. A good family is not a family where there are no disagreements and no arguments. It's where there is a healthy respect, where everyone feels wanted, and where there is unconditional love, even when there are disagreements. And the same thing with the shul. And the same thing with any relationship. As you were following all 214 verses of this week's Torah portion, and you're wondering to yourself, why are we repeating this over again and another time over again? And we already learned this and it's so repetitious. Keep this thought in mind. The book of Shemos 
demonstrated by this Torah portion is the story of the development of the relationship between God and the Jewish people, between every one of us and God. A strong, committed relationship based on unconditional love that can overcome even the terrible mistake of the golden calf and still retain its intimacy and its love and its desire to be close. And that should be the model for the relationships that we need to build in our lives. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.